loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. What's going on, everyone? This is Staff Sergeant Nona with the United States Army National Guard. We're down here right now in beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana at the Edge Media Studios. I'm joined by my friends, uh, Staff Sergeant Greg Johnson, Sergeant First Class Joshua Stevens, and Medal of Honor recipient, Sergeant First Class Sammy L. Davis. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this morning, cool. this beautiful cool. Thursday. What's going on? Sergeant First Class Davis, welcome from Freedom, Indiana. How was your drive over here? Uneventful. Uneventful. That's, that's, good. that's, that's good. good. That's a good thing. That's we, good. we are so glad you're able to join us in the show. Thank you so much, sir, for your service to our country, our community. Uh, I know I speak for all of us. I don't think we've ever met a Medal of Honor recipient before. It, it was truly uh, amazing to meet you. Thank you so much for coming on our show. We do have a few questions, though, for you. So you're from Indiana now, Freedom, Indiana, right? Yes, sir. What was it like moving to Indiana from California? Well, in California, I had... During the summer, I had worked up in the big trees as a as a logger. Yeah. And as a cool. very young man, well, I was given a chainsaw and climbing to the top of 200-foot sequoias <laughs> and breaking them down in 30-foot oh, sections. Goodness. So I had wow. worked very hard all summer, and I came home on a Friday night, and Dad said, Son, quit your job. We're leaving to go back to Indiana. Wow. So – that Sunday, which was the next day, we got in the car and drove to Indiana. Wow. So your family was originally from Indiana then? Illinois, Indiana. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> that's that's quite a probably quite a culture shock going from uh, California in the 60s to, yes, to rural wow. Indiana. Indeed it was. Um, <laughs> indeed it was. So how did you decide um, in high school that you, that you wanted to join the military? Well, I always knew that I was going to join the military simply because Everybody, all the males in my family had served in the military since Civil War. Wow. wow. Uh, okay. And everybody talked about it, grandpas, great-grandpas, dad, brothers. And it, I knew it was when it came my turn, I was going to join. So, um, see, there were five of us, Mooresville High School, where I went to high school, where I graduated from high school, and we decided that we were going to go down and join the Marine Corps. <laughs> <laughs> well, we still had about three weeks of school left, and we took off a little early from school. Oh, of course. And of course. we took off, went to the recruiting station, and we stood in line in the Marine Corps line because there were a lot of people joining mm-hmm. that time wow. period. And we stood in line for like an hour and a half. We All of us had jobs that we had to go to wow. that evening. It was Friday evening. And we stood there in that line, and it was not hardly moving at all. And the Army line, which was right next to us, they were just continually moving. <laughs> well, we looked at our watches, and <laughs> yeah. we looked at each other, and we just kind of stepped over near the line. So all five of us joined the Army wow. instead of the Marine Corps. <laughs> uh, and it worked wonderfully. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're glad to have you. We joined on the buddy plan, and <laughs> we well, we got to see each other again, but we were never— Stationed with each other, yeah. The whole three years that we, that all of us were in together. Oh. Now we got to see each other, but uh-huh. not in the military, you right? Know? Oh my goodness, it, it was amazing. That is. <laughs> oh, I thought I was doing. That's fine. <laughs> um, I actually have a couple questions too. Um, you kind of already explained it about the uh, recruiting process. Um, talked about your family being all the way back to the Civil War. Yes, sir. Um, 
I'm going to kind of go off base on this one. What kind of, because you wanted to join in the 60s, what were some of the other attitudes besides, I mean, did, did all of your friends all, all on base wanted to, to go or was it a different, I know it was a different time. So I mean, on base in the military or no, high I mean, school? High school. High school? No, of course there were some that uh, did not believe the military was the proper sure. thing to do. Right. Okay. But in Mooresville, that was a very small percent of the population. Yeah, right. Okay. The, the majority of us uh, were very patriotic and wanted to stand up okay. for our country. So we did what was right. Where was the recruiting station at? In Indianapolis is where we came. And wow, okay. At okay. the moment, that's been... Wow, fifty some odd years ago, I, I don't remember the address. Right. <laughs> just trying, just trying to imagine how the process was back then, because I well, know our process now is it's, a little more complicated. Yes, so. there, there was a local, little local recruiting station. I think there was two guys there in Mooresville, and they said, "Okay, if you guys want to join, you got to go." So right. that, that's where we went. Was they Indy. said downtown? It wasn't really downtown Indy, but that's where the, <laughs> the big recruiting station mm-hmm. was. So. Sure. Wow. But they couldn't get us in. Okay. Really? This, this was in first week of May. Okay. And they could not get us in until September. Because oh, wow. all the basic training stations were full. full. So they said, wow. okay. So I went in on September 28th, 1966. Wow. That's very cool. Um, so what was your experience in basic training? Where did you go to basic training at? Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Fort Jackson, B6, South Carolina. B62, oh best on the hill, sir. <laughs> <laughs> what was your experience like in basic combat training in the 60s? It was very awakening. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, let's see, my drill sergeant, Francisco Quinones. Wow, that's been a while. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's impressive. Absolutely. He was, he was an impressive man. Impressive man. He got in our faces <laughs> just about with every breath. <laughs> that was his job. When and I thought he hated me. We all thought he hated us all through right. basic training. Right. The day of graduation, Sergeant Francisco Quinones sent a message saying, Sergeant or Private Davis then. <laughs> Is it Private Davis? I want you in my room. Uh-oh. Well, I'd, uh-oh. Never, I'd never really been to the surgeon's room, and I uh-oh. thought, uh-oh. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I re- knocked on the door, and he was sitting on the bed on his little bunk, and he had a bottle of whiskey oh. in his hand. And he said, sit down, private. Care for a drink? And I thought, this, this, this is part of the test. trick. Because you, do, a trick. <laughs> you do not drink not it in this. the barracks. I said, no, thank you, Sergeant. <laughs> and he kind of got a smirk on his face and says, no, really. Do you want a drink? And I thought, well, okay. <laughs> so he handed me the bottle and I took a hit off of it. He said, the reason why I called you in, he said, now he... I had been the, all that summer before I uh, graduated out of high school. I went to work in the oil field, and I was working 10 right. hours a day, six days a week, working really hard because I only had a short period of time right. to make all this fantastic money in the oil field. Sure. <laughs> I think I was making like a dollar and a quarter an hour. Oh, I mean, that was – yeah. was, was, I was making more than my daddy was. Oh, my God. Wow. So I was working really, really, right. really hard. So I was in better shape than – I believe all the rest of the kids in basic training because I had been uh, pulling the pipe. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's extremely physical right. work. 
so I was in really, really good. I could run. I could do everything. And the Sergeant Quinona said, well, the reason why I was so hard on you, because I realized early on that you had more capabilities than most of the troops, and I just wanted you to know how good you could be. Wow. Wow. And I go, whoa. <laughs> so he handed me the bottle. I had another hit. And we <laughs> sat there probably about 45 minutes talking about this, talking about that. And he said, you're going to make a, a good soldier. Uh, keep huh. in contact with me. When I received the Medal of Honor, Sergeant Francisco Quinones was one of the people that I asked the White House to bring to my Medal of Honor presentation. That's so cool. That's crazy. That's, that's, it, it was awesome. That's, it, it was indeed awesome. That's really neat. And boy, was he right when he said, Oh, my God, uh, yes. <laughs> you're going to be a good soldier one day. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't have been more right. Well, he believed in me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's important. That's, it is yeah, very that's important. On you. Um, so can you talk to us about uh, what MOS you um, you held while you were in the Army? Artillery. I wanted to go in artillery because that's what my dad and his family. His, that's what everybody had okay. always been in was artillery. So that's why I volunteered to go into the artillery. So you got to pick your yes, job sir. at that time also. Oh, wow. Yes, that's sir. awesome. Yeah, I wasn't I, – I truthfully wasn't sure um, back yeah, in the no. 60s if you were able to choose your MOS oh, like certainly. you can now. So that's interesting that you got to do what you want to do and follow the you know, family well. heritage. Yeah, sounds like it. Was it like a triple seven? Like what was the artillery frames back then? Frames. Fra- oh, sorry, what was the artillery um, – The gun. The, the gun. gun, yes, the oh. gun. <laughs> 105 split trail. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I was on. Really? Extremely air mobile, and we moved constantly, constantly. Uh, it was wonderful. That's insane. That's so cool. Artillery. And it, <laughs> and it fired beehive. Do you all know what beehive is? We don't. I what don't is a beehive? Know. A beehive is a flechette round. Oh. What, it, what it shoots is little arrows oh made out gosh. of spring steel. <laughs> That's terrifying. Four, four little, terrifying. There's, I believe, 1,800 in each round. And you oh set it God. on muzzle action, the 105 round on muzzle action. And when now you can only, according to the Geneva Convention, you can only fire the beehive when you are in imminent danger of being overrun. Understand. In Vietnam, you're always a unfortunately, <laughs> right. we were faced with that way too often. The night that I earned the medal, there were 42 of us artillerymen and 1,500 of the enemy. It was a reinforced heavy weapons battalion that attacked us, and they were attacking us 150 to 200 at a time. Jeez. So they would come running at us, and we felt <laughs> yeah, that was uh, imminent danger. That's, that's that we were definitely in imminent danger. Beehive works extremely well. I would say that's the textbook definition of yeah, danger. <laughs> wow. So once you got out of basic training, how what was the time period between the time you got out to the time you went to Vietnam? How long that? How long was that? Well, I went from basic training directly into AIT, which was Fort Sill, Oklahoma Artillery, right. and from Fort Sill. Oklahoma, I got to come home for 30 days, and then I went to Vietnam. Wow. Oh, my God. So what was your what was your experience, like, right when you got to Vietnam, like, culture shock-wise, what, what was that like for you? The night that we, that I arrived in Vietnam is the night that they blew up the Long Bend ammunition dump, which was, is, was at the time, the largest ammunition dump in the world. Wow. And the enemy came in and blew it up. The 90th replacement was right on right across the road from the ammunition dump. Right. So here we just arrived there late that afternoon, and at like 2 o'clock in the morning, man, everything started going up. Well, this is just like we'd seen in the movies. You know, they were actually, we had one five five rounds landing in our compound there at the ninth replacement. Wow. 
they weren't going off. They were unfused. But here was all this. I mean, unbel- we're all standing there, right. young, dumb troops. You know, we're just standing there <laughs> looking at all this happen. Wow, man, this is really cool. Wow, do you see that? Wow, look at that. Oh, my gosh. And it wasn't until a few hours later that we discovered that, well, this was not the way it usually was right. every night. It's just they blew up the Long Bay ammunition dump. Wow. Well, our, my original orders had been to the 23rd Artillery up on the DMC. And they took a hundred of us that was at the replacement unit and assigned us to the ammunition dump because everybody, I won't say everybody, but most of the people were wounded and not capable to continue on. So we were the replacement. So I was there for about 43 days, if I remember right. And then they sent me to, after they got squared away, then they sent me to the 9th Infantry Division down the Delta. And when we got the orders for the 9th Infantry Division down the Delta, everybody, all the old guys that had been in country for a while said, oh, yeah, that's cool, man. Nothing ever happens down in the Delta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing. You'll so be fine. I got sent to the 2nd the 4th Artillery at Tan An, Tan True, actually. Right. Tan True, Vietnam. Wow. That's insane. Where, where nothing ever happens. Yeah. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I can't believe it moves 30 days between, you know, completing basic combat training and AIT to your in country. Yeah, that's... That's amazing. So, that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, yeah, because you have, you know, pre-mobilization, you mm-hmm. have all this buildup, you know, you have notification X amount of months out. It doesn't yeah. happen like that. You know, right. there's there's so much there's, time. Yeah, I've been, I've been through two two of those for deployments and the the amount of time it takes to sit through classes and stuff. Oh, my it's, gosh. It's, you, you have to, though, yeah, because to of all the stuff that you have to, to, to get checked off days. on stuff. That's just that's insane. Um, but it was a different time. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. What was your day-to-day like uh, leading up to the battle that ultimately awarded you the, the Medal of Honor? What was your day-to-day like in Vietnam? Day-to-day? Day-to-day, yes. Um, well, it depends upon the day. <laughs> Some days it was peaceful and quiet and ho hum and you know do 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 do, and some days it was ah. <laughs> and it, you never knew. It changed from moment to moment at times, you know. Mm-hmm. So you just always had to be prepared. Yeah, no, absolutely. You always, always, always had to be prepared for whatever could happen, and that was our sergeant's job to ensure that we had that ability. <laughs> Yeah, now, wow. what was your rank around this time? I was still private. Really? Yes, sir. Oh, my goodness. That's that's insane. Wow. Um, so if if you don't mind, could you please walk us through the, the battle on November 18th, 1967? Describe to, to everyone listening or watching um, what that day was like for you and just kind of go through everything that happened. Well, there were – we had four 105 howitzers that were sent on an op to help – the 2nd to 60th and the 5th to the 60th infantry go on a big push. They knew that all these NVA mm-hmm. had come down around through Laos and had came in through the southernmost portion of Vietnam. This was going to be the buildup for what would happen shortly in Saigon, Tet of 68. Tet Offensive. The, te- yeah. the big Tet Offensive. Right. This was in 67. And... They knew that this was something really big was about to happen, so that's why they put us down there. Well, the enemy knew that the if they were going to seriously uh, mess with the infantry, they had to take the artillery out first. Right. Yeah. So at 2 o'clock in the morning, they overran us. Wow. Uh, there, were, there were 1,500 of them across. We were set up on the river, and they were 
they started coming across the river 150 to 200 at a time would come running at us. They'd come down through the river. The river at the deepest part, well, the deepest part it was eight foot, but that was only uh, just a short, just about as wide as this room, about eight or 12 foot right. was really deep. Most of it was chest high on the enemy. So here they had come, we could see them coming, hit the river, They'd come running across as much as they can. And then just before they got to our bank is where that deep spot was, and they'd disappear, mm -hmm. and then they would all of a sudden come back up spluttering and then come up the bank and, and do their job. Well, that's where I did my job as an artilleryman until I ran out of beehive rounds. I, I right. actually fired all the rounds that I had, HE, white phosphorus, you name it. Mark right. and I fired everything. And when I ran out of rounds to fire for the howitzer, then I started the M16. I had about 180 rounds for the for my M16, right. and I did my job. Right. And when I ran out of that, <laughs> then I started grabbing them by the throat. So, wow. Well, you got to keep going. You know, if you're right. still, alive, and I was, I was shot 30 times. Oh my God. So, well, well, I got hit by beehive. Because the guys, the, there was a gun behind me, and they thought we were all dead. Because they hit my, the enemy hit my howitzer and blew it all up, and I wasn't dead yet. I was laying half in and half out of my foxhole, and that's why Forrest got shot. Where? It's right in the rear. <laughs> in the right in the rear. Because <laughs> I was laying half in and half out. Right. Of, but I had my flak jacket on, so from the mid thigh up, including up to my fourth lumbar vertebra, I had thirty of those beehive. <laughs> In, in my back that went through. There was only seven left in me. The rest passed through. Uh, I, I remember the next, that coming morning, when it got daylight, and by then everything was done. And I man, I got hit, I got shot with a Nike 47 in the right thigh. And I looked down at that, and I could see the big hole, and I thought, well, that's why that hurts. <laughs> why do I hurt up here? Right. You know, why, why am I, all I could see was little X's. Right. Just little from bit the from areas. the from the fins. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I didn't. I never even thought about getting hit by our own beehive. And here's all these little X's, and I'm and you know I was bleeding. You know, not a whole lot about them little holes. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is really weird. Well, it wasn't until, well, I passed out and they. I woke up in the hospital, and that's when they showed me the pile of beehive that they had <sighs> taken out. I still have those beehive, by the way. Wow. <laughs> wow. And that's when they explained to me that, well, the gun behind you, when they seen your gun get hit and they thought everyone was dead, which right. it did not kill anyone. We were all wounded, but no one was killed. Right. But that's when they fired the beehive because you don't let the because the enemy was in the process of trying to turn my howitzer around. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Guys, so that's why they fired the beehive over it. Jeez. So after, <laughs> that's just, I'm still trying to register everything you just told me. That's an amazing so, story. After you got out, after you you woke up in the hospital, how much how long before you went home and before they kind of notified you, hey, you could potentially be getting the Medal of Honor? Well, it was Camp Zama, Japan, was where I I woke up, and one of the first thing they I was on a lot of drugs. Right. <laughs> the, one imagine. of the first things that they, I can remember them telling me that they were going to send me home and retire me from the Army. Wow. Well, I didn't want to retire from the Army. I didn't really want to go home because my last memory was my brother's. Right. That was there. I mean, that's, I wanted to go back and, you know, well, where's all my brothers at? How are they doing? You know, did, right. trying to find out information. Well, they didn't know anything. 
So I wanted to go back to my unit and find out what happened to my brothers. <sighs> After I've been in there about four days, I think it was a colonel that came into my room, and he's the one that told me that I had been put in for the Congressional Medal of Honor. And I said, well, sir, oh, and he also told me that I was going to be retired from the military and sent home. And I said, well, sir, I don't want to be retired from the military, and I don't want to go home. I want to go back to Vietnam and be with my brothers. About two weeks prior to this event, I had met General William Childs Westmoreland. Wow. Wow. And he was the one that had just signed my Medal of Honor citation. Right. Wow. <laughs> and I told him, I said, will you tell, so General Westy had given me a new pair of boots. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I could have had new boots on, but my boots in Vietnam, you was always in the water, always in the mud. Right. And most of the guys' feet were just unbelievable with big sores, open sores right. that, that never healed because you're wet all the time. Mm-hmm. You can't heal. Right. Well, my, my feet were a little bit better shaped than most of the other kids. And it's because my boots, I never turned mine in to get new boots. I still had my <laughs> old boots on that had big holes in them, you know. Yeah. But the water drained out quicker. Oh. So that's, well, Westy came, stopped by the unit. We were out on an op and, you know, the helicopter landed and General William Childs Westmoreland stepped out. Of course, our captain, ah! right. <laughs> you know, do this, do this, do this, do this. Right. And so when Westy... We were in a fire mission. Now, it was not, there was not enemy attacking us. The enemy was inta- attacking the infantry, but it was like six miles away. And they said, well, when you, when Westy comes to your gun, you quit firing. The other three guns will pick up the pace and just do whatever Westy wants. Right. So Westy, came, we were light when he come up to us. We you know fell in line, all four of us. And... <laughs> He, I was the last one that he talked to. Well, I could hear all the questions he was asking the other guys. And it was, you know, you get in your hot chow, you get in your letters from home, you know, all the general questions right. that yeah. you're supposed to ask. Yeah. <laughs> so when he came to me and he looked me right in the eye and he looks at me, now we were dirty, muddy. I didn't have a shirt on. All I had was trousers and my boots. <laughs> it was hot. Yeah, right. super hot. <laughs> and he looked down at my feet. And then I realized that my feet, I remembered that my feet had... My shoes had holes in them, and I wiggled my toes, <laughs> which he could see very plainly. And his eyes got real big, and he said, Private, is that the only pair of boots you have? Yes, that was the only pair of boots I had. So I said, Yes, sir. And he turned to my captain. Well, my captain had on a brand-new pair of Cochrane jump boots. Ooh. And Westy turned to me, and he said, Private, what size are your boots? I said, 10W, sir. He turned to the captain and said, Captain, what size are your boots? And my captain, Dennis Shibley, said, 10W, sir. He said, take them boots off and give them to that boy. <laughs> so that's how I met General Westmoreland. Wow. And we became lifelong friends after that. Wow. But awesome. when I woke up in the hospital and they told me that they were going to retire me and send me home, I said, you call General William Charles Westmoreland. He just, we're, we're just like that. He just gave me a new pair of boots a couple oh weeks ago. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, now, I didn't know that I'd been put in for the Medal of Honor. Right. <laughs> but when he, the cap, or the colonel there in charge of the hospital in Camp Zom of Japan, he did his job. He contacted General Westmoreland. And when Westy got the information, he came to Japan. 
And he come, well, I, th- I think it was like the next day. And like I say, I was on some big drugs, so I don't really know. But it seemed like the next day, here come General Westmoreland walking in. And he said, well, son, what can I do for you? And I said, well, sir, they're going to send me home. And I just want to go back and be with my brothers. And he said, well, I'll have to talk to the doctors, but we'll see what we can do. Well, I got, the, as soon as I could, as soon as I stabilized, they were going to send me back to, I think, Third Field in Saigon, Third Field Hospital. And as soon as I could walk, I could go back to my unit. So I got to go back to Vietnam, went to the hospital. And just a very short period of time, I got to go back to my unit. Oh, wow. I can, wow. Re- I can remember my first sergeant when I come walking into the tent that was the orderly room. Well, I can't repeat exactly what he said, <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> right. but he said, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with you, so I guess I'll make you a cook. <laughs> so that's how I got to be a cook in the Army. And it was wow. basically because I couldn't do anything else All for right. a while, but that only lasted a short period of time. Right. And then we were always shorthanded. And then I said, well, I can go out on that gun. Well, I can go out on that gun. Well, I can go out. <laughs> so that's how I got to go back out on the guns. It worked great. <laughs> that's awesome. Wow. That's so, so cool. cool. Wow. So I, I know you are the we, – we brought up Forrest Gump a second ago. <laughs> you are the real Forrest Gump. Is the, uh, What did you have any, to do with the production? Did you have anything at all to do with the production of Forrest Gump or – No, sir. I did not. Really? No, sir. I know they, they used, they used uh, your video, right? They used the video. Yeah. When the president's putting the medal around my neck, that's the actual video that you see in the movie Forrest Gump is – is that they just put Tom's face over mine. <laughs> Did Tom call you or anything? Did the producers of the, the movie call you and be like, They hey. told me they were going to do it. And that was wow. it. <laughs> that was it. So as, as a Medal of Honor recipient, I am, what's the, eminent domain, public domain? Oh, okay. I'm one of those domain oh, yeah. things. Right. Okay. The government actually can control it's, that video. And, yes. Okay. And the government said, oh, sure, go ahead. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I can't the, believe they the, didn't even let you know. Jeez. The, the result is that Tom, friends, and I are friends. Really? Yes, sir. And wow. Uh, Gary Sinise and I are brothers. Really? Yes, sir. That's amazing. We we visit each other. That's awesome. Wow. That's so cool. That's like that's, that's neat. Personal thing. That's my favorite movie of all time. I so, mean, it's, it, so cool. it's so cool to, I've to seen be it here. No less than a hundred times. Well, there's so much of it that does have my life in it. Really? Yes, sir. They, you know, took a little bit of truth and blew it all. Right. Yeah. But yes, sir. It's. Loosely. It's loosely a, based. It's loosely based on my life, yes, That's sir. so amazing that such an That's American so cool. classic is. is based on someone sitting two feet away from me right now. Like, <laughs> I am, oh, my gosh, my heart is beating. <laughs> That's so cool. Oh, my uh, gosh. So, Sergeant Davis, will you tell us what you've been up to since retiring? Did you start another career? or what, Where's life taken you since you left the military? I, <laughs> since I retired from the military... I have been a public speaker. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, fair. Normally, under normal conditions, my wife and I are on the road 200 plus days a year traveling oh, wow. all oh my over God. America, traveling and speaking, encouraging Jeez. people to stand up for what you believe is right, right in your heart, talk to a, a tremendous amount of schools. And of course, in the schools, I always promote the military and right. encourage our students to go down and talk to your local recruiters. And I do not push one specific Right, Army, Navy, Marine Corps, Navy, you know, whatever. I just want you to join what you think's right in your heart. Right. Mm-hmm. And the amount of troops that come up to me in my travels all over the world said, "You talked to me when I was in the ninth grade, and encouraged me wow. to join the military." And 
well, the one of the kid I'm thinking of, he was a colonel. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> in, in Germany. And, <laughs> and he said, you're the reason why I'm here today. Wow. So it just makes you feel good. Oh, yeah. It makes your heart That's feel good. That's so cool. Well, you kind of answered it already, but I'm going to ask it. Um, so military service, what does it mean to you? And if there was a kid on the fence considering joining the military, what would you tell them? I would encourage you to join the military simply because of the knowledge that you gain in joining the military goes way beyond anything that I thought possible. When I was a senior in high school, I had no real idea of what the knowledge would bring of me being in the military. I mean, I took for granted that it was going to teach me how to fire a gun and (laughs) all that. But I have visited almost every country in the world wow. at one time or another. I always thought that I was a poor kid because we didn't have much money. I mean, we always had a home. Mm-hmm. We always had food on the mm-hmm. table. But because we didn't have money, I thought, well, wow, I'm just poor. Right. Well, going all over the world, I realized, yeah, we may not have had money, but we weren't poor right. because we always had food on the table. Right. We always had a, a nice place to, you know, warm in the winter and reasonably cool in the summer. And going to all these other countries, I got to realize how fortunate we are in this nation. You know, wow. And it made me appreciate what we have and made me want to stand up even taller for what we have right. in this country. Too many people that have never left America don't realize what right. we have here and That's don't realize how fortunate we are. Yeah. That's why I promote the one of the reasons I promote the military is because of the knowledge that it gives you and makes you appreciate what we have in this nation even more, which is protected by those that are in the military. What an incredible That's story. It's so put. true, yeah. though. Mm-hmm. It's so true. You know, it it is. Is, we take a lot of these these freedoms uh, for granted, but it, it's so true when you travel around the world and see really it's what... eye-opening. It is. You know, um, many of us have traveled. Uh, I've, I've been to Camp Zama, Japan, actually, so I've seen. I've seen... Ooh. Yeah, ooh, uh, <laughs> you've been around and you've been around, so we, we've yeah. seen these other places, and, and you're absolutely right. There are so many uh, freedoms. Did you, by chance, meet Miss Mai? I did not. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh-oh. <laughs> There's so many oh. things that are offered by our country, and it, it, it is absolutely incredible once you travel around and see how some other people live and, and yes, some sir. of the freedoms that we have been granted uh, as Americans. And, and that, yeah. that is truly— Those that have never traveled yeah. take all these things for granted. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not until you go see how the rest of the world live— Puts it into perspective. That's yes. Right. Definitely. That, that is so amazing. Sergeant First Class Samuel Davis, I, I cannot thank you enough for coming uh, 80 miles from Freedom, Indiana, to come out here to, to visit us. Um, Staff Sergeant Greg Johnson, Sergeant First Class Joshua Stevens. My name is Staff Sergeant Nuno. We are the Not Your Average Joes. We appreciate everyone <laughs> listening. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Until next time, have a good rest of y'all's day. One of the things I want everyone oh, to yeah. remember, that no matter what you're faced with in life, you don't lose until you quit trying. That's so amazing. You're awesome. so right. It's perfect. Perfect. That's so good. Thank you all again. Oh. Star First Class Davis, I cannot Hula. thank you enough. Hua, thank you again for your server, sir, uh, and thank you all for coming out here. Thank you. Hula.